Welcome to our Easter production tonight. It's a great night. We always look forward to Easter. I find Easter for me is a tremendously uh, uh, joyful time. It was during uh, an Easter many years ago that the presence of God touched my life and I was changed. I can remember one Easter uh, walking in the hills of Waikanae and uh, beginning to, just in the full moon and just beginning to think about just the vastness of creation and uh, really crying out of my heart for God to touch me. And that, uh, that night, many uh, years ago, the Spirit of God touched me. And so we want to celebrate this uh, Easter, what the Lord has done. And our presentation to you is called The Cross. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just share something with you from the Word of God concerning the cross. Many people know a little bit about Easter. They know about the cross and the resurrection, but they don't understand what it is and what happened. And so tonight we want to share with you from the Word of God some things so you can understand what Jesus did on the cross, why he died on the cross. The Bible starts the book of Genesis when it describes how God created us. When God created us, he created us spirit beings. It says this, God made us in his image. God is a spirit. And so we are created as a spirit being. We have capacity to be able to experience things from the spirit world around us. We were built with a capacity to have a relationship with God who is a spirit being. We also live in a body and we have capacity to express our life in the earth. And the Bible tells us in that uh, first chapter or so of Genesis, it tells us how the man that God created, the man God created to rule over and bring dominion to all that he had created, uh, turned his back on God, said, no, I won't come under your leadership. I won't come under your direction. He virtually said, I want to run my life as I wish. The heart of sin, the heart of of breaking free away from God is a decision inside us. We will run our life the way we want to run it. We will run our life without God. And this is what the first man did. He made a decision to disobey God, to actually go his own way, believing he could have a better life if he looked after himself, looking after number one, as we say. The Bible tells us very quickly what happened to him. The moment Adam sinned and separated in his relationship with God, he changed what he was like. He changed on the inside, and he began to experience things he had never experienced before, things he was never designed to experience. He began to feel afraid. He began to feel ashamed of his condition. He began to feel guilty about his condition. And the Bible tells us that when Adam became aware of what he was like, he began then to conceal himself from his wife, and when he heard the voice of God coming, he began to conceal himself from God as well. There is something about the condition of man that makes us want to run away from God. The Bible tells us that after Adam had sinned, every person born into this world is born separated from God. When you were born, you were born separated from God. That's not how God planned for you. And so when people begin to talk to you about God or you begin to hear about spiritual things, often we feel a bit uncomfortable. I can remember when people began to share with me the Easter message, began to share about Jesus and talk about Jesus, I felt very uncomfortable. And I didn't realize until many years later when I'd responded personally to Jesus Christ, why I was feeling uncomfortable was because I was like Adam, ashamed of what I was like and running away from God. Tonight, you have come here because the Spirit of God has drawn you. God is wanting to touch your life tonight. And for many of you here, tonight can be a night of change for you. I want us to go into the Bible in Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to begin to look at the gospel story of the crucifixion of Jesus. When the first man fell and he felt so ashamed of himself, 
God spoke to him and told him this. He, he assured him and made a promise to him that one day there would be a Savior, Jesus Christ, come into this world. He said, one day I will send my son into this world. One day I will come into this world in a physical presence and I will deal to this problem of sin. And so because Adam and his wife Eve had covered themselves with garments, covered themselves by their own efforts, God said, I want to provide for you. Even though man had said no to God, God still loved this man he'd created. And so the Bible tells us that he slew two animals and then the clothing and the skins of those animals he put on and made a provision or a covering for Adam and Eve. This was a picture, like a prophetic picture of two things, that one day there would come a time in history when God would send his son into the world and he would die on the cross, an innocent person, and the result of that death on the cross would mean that our sins could be covered, washed, taken away, and we could be clothed in a right standing with God. Years later, the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus how God decided to come as He had promised to redeem all of His nation Israel out of Egypt. And there came a time when God instructed them that they were to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, a lamb without blemish, and to offer a sacrifice of that animal and then to sprinkle the blood on the doorways of their houses. Every house that did this, when the destroyer came through, the house was protected. And that night, the people of God left Egypt, and they went on a journey to come into their destiny. Again, this is a prophetic picture for us, that one day God would send His Son. He would be described by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God, the one God sent to die as a substitute, to die in place of us, so you and I could be totally free from sin and the power of sin and the curse of sin and have a relationship with God and begin to be restored to walk in our destiny and purpose. I want us to read. If you have a Bible, you can read with me. If you haven't got a Bible, then you can just uh, follow with the person next to you or borrow theirs. There we go. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 27, here is the story of that great event that Jesus uh, that had been foretold of Jesus many years before. Now the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. Matthew 27, verse 27. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, the place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. And when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him, and dividing his garments, cast lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And then they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down off the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also 
mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was a darkness over all of the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were split, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. We see in here an account of Jesus' crucifixion. It's hard when you, realize, when you read about it to comprehend just exactly what God was doing. But there are other verses in the Bible that tell us exactly what was happening. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death. In other words, the penalty of walking away from God, living a life without Him, is that we are separated from Him. And so Jesus came. He was God's sacrifice. He was God demonstrating His love to people. In every culture that you go to in the world that is understanding or has some knowledge of the spirit world, people understand there is a spiritual world. People know about God. When you go into these cultures, you find in many different ways they seek to make peace with the God they cannot know. They fear the spirit world. They realize there are evil and wicked spirit beings in that spirit world. And they try to make things right with this God by offering sacrifices. The Bible tells us that Jesus on this day gave up his own life. I want to share with you two things about this particularly. The first is found in Galatians chapter 3. It says this, that when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. In other words, the first thing Jesus did was this. When he died on the cross, he became cursed because curses every person who dies on a cross. He became cursed and he received upon himself and broke the power of every curse that came into the earth as a result of Adam's sin. He broke the curse of sickness. He broke the curse of death. He broke the curse of poverty. He broke the curse of failure. Every possible cursing that came into the earth as a result of Adam's sin, the Bible says Jesus took that upon himself in order that we might become positioned for God's blessing to come upon us. We can't live and walk and pretend that there are not problems in the world and problems in our life. Jesus came to the cross of Calvary to break the power of the cursing that was on humanity. The second thing the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
and verse 21, it says, Jesus became a sin offering for us. In every culture in the world, people are aware that in order to make things right with God, in order to deal with the issue of sin, some kind of offering is needed. The Bible tells us that Jesus was God's sin offering. Jesus was God's provision in order that the penalty of sin could be totally dealt with and you and I could go free. In some cultures, they offer up incense. In some cultures, they offer up uh, uh, various kind of food offerings. In some cultures, they offer up uh, various animals. The Bible tells us that Jesus was God's sin offering so that you and I, so we could become right before God. God loves people. He loves you. He wants to help you break out of those things that would limit your life, hinder your potential, and stop you enjoying a relationship with God and discovering His purpose for your life. In Isaiah, Isaiah pointed out that when Jesus went to the cross, He carried our sorrows. He carried our sicknesses. He carried our sin. He carried our griefs. He carried our shame. In fact, in every area that we have failed and experienced the consequences of sin, Jesus Himself experienced it for us so we could be free. Listen, I want to show you something in the verses here. And firstly, in verse 45, the death of Jesus on the cross was no ordinary death. It was not just that he just died on the cross and they happened to kill him at that particular time. There were some things about his death which make it completely unique. One of the things that make it unique is the way God himself actually demonstrated in the heavens and in the earth, particular signs. Notice the first one, it says, from the sixth hour till the ninth hour, there was darkness over all of the land. That means from 12 o'clock midday until three in the afternoon, the very time the high priest at three in the afternoon was offering a sacrifice, trying to make things right with God for the sins of man, at that very three hours, there was a darkness came over the whole of the land. There is no natural explanation for that darkness. There is no eclipse which lasts three hours. This was a supernatural demonstration from God of what was happening in the earth. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And now the world was about to kill an innocent man to put him on a cross, a man who had never done anything but good. And there was a darkness came over. That darkness stopped people seeing the full measure of the sufferings of Jesus on the cross. The second thing we notice is found a little further down in verse 50. At the end of the three hours as Jesus hung on the cross and suffered, the darkness then lifted and people could see him clearly and easily. And at that point, as he was at the end of his life, the Bible says he shouted with a loud voice. Now when people are dying, their energy goes. Their breathing becomes weak. I've been with people as they died, and what you notice is their breathing gets very weak, very shallow. Their voice gets very weak. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us he literally shouted out loud. It records the shout that he made. It is finished. Jesus shouted a shout of victory over the devil. He shouted a shout of victory over all his enemies. He shouted a shout of victory to declare to mankind he had paid the price for sin. 
He had made a way possible for you and I to be redeemed out of sin and to come into a relationship with God. Immediately, something happened after that. We can tell something unusual happened at Jesus' death because there was a tremendous manifestation of God's supernatural power in the earth. When people in cultures that don't know God personally make an offering to an idol or an offering to their God, they do so because they want protection or provision or power. When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, God demonstrated the unusual power that was released into the earth on that day. That power is still available to change lives. That power is still available to change marriages and families. Look what the Bible says happened. Number one, it says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The temple, there was a part which no one could go into is where the presence of God was supposed to dwell. And that day, at this very time, the high priest was going with a a natural lamb, an offering such as was offered in Moses' day, going into that place. And as he went to go into that place that no person but the high priest could go, it was like two invisible hands reached out and tore it from top to bottom. It was about the width of a hand. It was that thick. There's no possible way an accident happened. This was a manifestation of God to show this one truth, that now it's possible for every person to come and know God personally. He is accessible to all. Jesus has solved the issue of sin for us. The second thing that happened was this. It says, there was an earthquake and the rocks were split. Even to this day, if you go to the place of Golgotha, There are huge rocks still split in that place. The earth shook. Most of us think of the earth as being very stable. We build houses on it and expect them to stand. We walk on it, expect it to stand. But when a significant earthquake comes, people are shaken to their core because the thing we trusted in has now been shaken. People become panic-stricken in big earthquakes. And this was a massive earthquake. It's not a light earthquake. It caused the rocks to split open. It was such a violent shaking of the earth. People must have been terrified when they saw the demonstration of God's power as he showed not only as he made a wave available to man, but also he demonstrated his dominion over the earth, the things we feel so secure in. And finally, the last thing we see in verse 52, 53, it says the graves were open. So when the earth shook, a most unusual event took place. You can imagine being near a graveyard and there's a violent earthquake and then the tombs, the graves, they used to bury them in the ground. They put them in caves, split open and you could see the dead bodies. The Jews would have been horrified, absolutely horrified to see dead and loved ones and people that had gone on now just exposed. They were not able to go and do anything about it because it was the Sabbath. So they would have sat with a silent vigil watching over those graves to make sure no one defiled them. Wouldn't you? Would you walk away from a grave where a loved one was and allow someone to defile the grave? I don't think so. So there were multitudes of people out there around that area all able to give witness to the day when God would do the greatest thing possible. On the day we call Easter Sunday and the very first time in the hours of the morning, The Bible said there was another great earthquake. The ground shook. The stone rolled away from the temple. 
uh, from the grave. And the Bible tells us Jesus rose from the dead. And not only did Jesus rise from the dead, it says that the bodies of many of the saints who believed and trusted God rose up and came out of their graves and began to appear to people in the city. There was a demonstration of God's power. First in the heavens, the darkness. Second in the earth, with the veil being rent so that we could know it's possible to come into the presence of God. Thirdly, there was this ground shaking and quaking and the rock split. And finally, people raised from the dead. Listen, friend, God wants you to understand in that demonstration of his power at the death of Jesus that what Jesus did made it possible for you and I to be restored to the Lord. In every culture in the earth where you find religion, you'll find one thing in common. People are all aware that there's a God and they're searching to find a way back. But Christianity has one difference to all other religions. In the other religions, no matter what name they call themselves, if you ask the question, how does a person get to heaven? How does a person get right with God? They'll give you variations of the same thing. Well, you have to live a good life. You have to try and be good and do good things. Or in other words, by your works, if they're good enough, you can gain access to God. But the Bible tells us a different story altogether. It says there was one thing made it possible for us to be right with God. It was what Jesus Christ did. And for a person to become a Christian, I must stop struggling to be a better person, struggling to be good enough to get into heaven. I must solely put my trust that what Jesus did was enough for me. If I will just believe in what he has done for me and put my trust upon it, his power, the same power that was demonstrated that day, is released into my life today to change me. I wonder if there are people here tonight who have never ever opened your life to Jesus Christ personally. At the end of this meeting, we're going to give you a chance to say yes to the gospel. Yes to the good news that Jesus has made a way for us to be connected with God and linked back to our purpose and to live the life we were always called to live.